I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. This is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Greetings. We are recording the night before Thanksgiving. And we wanted to talk about um, some of the, the legislative proposals we heard this past weekend at the Maryland Legislative Agenda for Women. Um, it was at... Harford County Community College. Oh, Howard. Was it Howard. Howard. Oh yeah, Howard, not Harford. We're in Columbia. Uh, yeah, we're in Columbia. Sorry. <laughs> There's like a like I don't know sixty miles different there. It's Maryland. Hey. <laughs> um, but we we went um, and there were nineteen legislative proposals, and you know at the end, the members of met. MLAW get a ballot to vote, and then MLAW picks, what, five or six bills they're going to support. Um, so, yeah. So, that's what we did Saturday. And it was it was interesting. They tried to squeeze a lot in, and we maybe didn't get able... Maybe weren't able to ask as many questions as we wanted to. So, I guess, um, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know... With like we like I didn't know anyway. Emla um, has voting members, and that can be individuals or it can be groups. So the three of us could be members. Montgomery County now can be a member, and then um, those individuals and groups. Although the groups, the group obviously gets one vote. Yeah. Um, get to vote on what Emla will adopt as the the. Um, legislation that they are going to fight for in the upcoming legislative session. Um, it's really short, the legislative session, so um, they have to focus on a certain amount of things. So basically, this is people coming and making their case. I think they got a minute? Two, two minutes. minutes. Two, two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes to make their case for why the voting members should vote for um, their issue. Um, why it was a woman's issue or why it mattered so much this year, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and then they don't really do a feasibility study for you, but they want you to take into account feasibility when you're I think voting. That, doesn't that come later? Didn't they? I don't know if say, they. I mean, they did say there are ways to look at it. I, I don't remember if they said that. They said there are ways to look at it, which was the important. I mean, the interesting thing to me was like, <clears throat> the one we've been talking about a lot, which is going to be House Resolution or House Bill One, one, yeah, um, which is um, Rape rapist. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Rape Survivor Family Protection Act. So it's a bill to terminate the parental rights of rapists when a child is conceived as a result of rape. Um, and so that one, on the surface, might look like it's something that's less feasible because it's come up so many times and hasn't passed. But it's moved to priority one. Um, they have people backing it, including they said that Bobby's. They might have Bobby Zirkin yeah. voting for it. They did. They did. Uh, as a co-sponsor, didn't they? Yeah. So I know. Yeah. And he's like the one who's been blocking or keeping it in a drawer yeah. this whole yeah. time. Yeah. And a literal drawer. A, a literal, literal yeah. drawer. <laughs> and I think what they said what happened last year is the House had a bill and the Senate had a bill, and there were. Don't hold me to the num these numbers, but say there were 14 differences between yeah, the bill. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and they were able like to reconcile 10 of them. So there were the four that were still outstanding. So maybe 
maybe they worked on the rest yeah. and maybe came to a bill that everyone was happy with. I don't know. That's the that's my one and I and I said this, but my one um kind of regret is that we really didn't have a lot of time to ask questions. Um, yeah. and it it's it's great because there were so many bills that met the criteria and there's so many people there. They kept saying well, this is a great group. This is a big group. You know, the, the room was packed. Yeah. But we just weren't able to, we, we didn't have the opportunity because of time to just ask these questions. Yeah. So we'll be, I'm sure we'll be asking them. Yeah. And I'm sure we can. Like a lot of the people who were there um, were, were all for being asked questions. Mm-hmm. So I think we probably can if, yeah. if we need clarification and that they'll be willing to answer. Um, and, just because EMLA doesn't adopt them as their personal um, pieces of legislation to fight for in this session, we still could as Montgomery County now. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful too. Also, I I mean, I wish I had known about it just even before getting involved with Montgomery County now. Like anybody can go and yeah. and you know pay for the day and like listen to all these. I don't know, listen to all these things be defended. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. If you're interested yeah. in politics, it's, you know, like a quick morning thing, and you could go hear about all these different legislative items that are coming up. And it seemed to be a nonpartisan event. Like, yeah. I, I think it seems, I think MLA is nonpartisan. Right, um, yes. Yeah. yeah, because they. it's just, it has to be about a woman and state of Maryland and all that. So that was also nice because you know sometimes we can actually come together on logical things across party yeah yeah um yeah so so house bill one will be rape survivor family protection act um like jenny rose said we've talked about that a lot but um just does they said at the meeting too like it just seems like it should be easy yep fingers crossed yeah i just i don't know the logic behind going against that is and some of these, you, you like, I wrote you the note for the one, like, why is this a thing? Me, like the, and the note I wrote, it's the, it's one for domestic violence. So it expands the definition of abuse as it applies to petitions for domestic violence, protective orders to include harassment and malicious destruction of property. And I wrote to EB2, why is this a thing? Like, why 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 do we have to specify that like why isn't why wasn't that already constituted so one would hope that this will be something that's easy that you know and i think they the um the representative of the proposal said that it's written harassment and online where that didn't count before and it blew my mind but yeah do you guys kind of think that I I was I was thinking this while we were sitting there that like part of the reason that it's hard to pass legislation at the local level at the federal level whatever is that it's very confusing and convoluted like some yeah. of these I knew what they were when they got up there yeah but there were some where I was like Look. well they said that don't don't just read the title yeah, yeah. right I'm on, and um. Well, the part when they had to explain to the, some woman asked a question and the, there was a session after where she was like, how do I even read like the bill number and everything? And the person who was running the session was pointing 
to a line in the bill where it first mentioned the number and then like it was still confusing to find it because there wasn't even a number in that line. Yeah. 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 Well, and Ari- I think Ariana Kelly, one of them, she was like, this is going to sound really wonky and confusing when I, so yeah. if it's confusing, ask me. Like, I remember her saying that. I forget which one it was. But oh, she had to, yeah. like, she had to explain. And I was like, gosh, this is, like, part of the problem is that, like, some of these are, once someone explains them to us, literally for two minutes, there's a guy standing there with a paddle, yeah. and you're not <laughs> yeah. allowed to go over two minutes. Yeah. That's yeah. all it takes. Yeah. Was it the lunch one? It might have been. So the, what, so. Like, people don't even have the basics to know how to read them. Like, I let agree. alone understand them. Oh, I no, agree. that wasn't yeah. the lunch one. And when you think about, like, if there's somebody, like, I don't know, I've been in, I, Usually, I research before I go into the voting oh, booth. I know what. But there's was. been a time, like one or two times, where like there's one bill, something that I'm supposed to vote yeah. for or against, and you're like reading a, it in the thing, yeah. and you're like, it's like what I'm not the sure how I feel mean? about it's this because I don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a quadruple negative. So the one she was talking about that said that she said was wonky was it's um, expanding Maryland's child and dependent care tax credit. Oh, uh-huh. It's um, the legislation will raise the income limit for those eligible to claim dependent care tax credit from 50,000 to 100,000 per individual and 150,000 per couple. Oh, this was the thing about it hadn't been adjusted for it inflation been, or anything. Yeah, like that. and oh, yeah. someone asked if they could write it in to be to be inflated uh, adjusted for inflation and she had said you could look into that, but... In the future. Meaning, in the future. Meaning in the future, so you wouldn't have to come back and right. do it again. But none of the other ones are written like that, so that's where she was like, I don't know if we have precedent, maybe, right. but she said that they would look into that. But I think that's the one where she was going through and explaining how a few years ago they had to raise it, and now they're going to have to raise it again. Yeah. Because even though... $100,000 sounds like a lot of money, which $100,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and she's Montgomery County. But if you live in Montgomery County, it's really... 86000 is what you need for a couple with two children just to get by. Not yeah. to own a house, not to do... Just to rent an apartment that's big enough for four people, which I assume is two bedrooms. Yeah. Just to pay the utilities. I still don't understand food. how that is enough. I don't either. For I mean, four I four people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe one takes public transportation. Like I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, but that's like the bare bones. They're basically taking yeah. like you know. I Page, agree. I'm sure it's paycheck to paycheck. Absolutely. No, no savings. Yeah. And no. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but sometimes I think like I don't know. Like half the battle as as advocates is to explain to people why something helps them. Right. And that they, and their people aren't dumb. This is just confusing. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> and to give hard and fast examples, um, it the other one that again shocked me that if someone had just said we're gonna do this, I would be well, like, well that sounds ridiculous. But the ch- um the child cares or sorry, the Maryland cares one? Maryland cares for kids act where yeah. they're they want to essentially remove so kids can under a certain income level um kids are eligible for free or reduced lunch depending on the income level so what this bill would propose is they would essentially get rid of that reduced meal category so if you qualify for free or reduced lunch you just get free lunch yeah and the way the bill 
words it is support children and families struggling to get by on low wages by removing school meal fees for 45,632 low-income students in Maryland. So on reading that, I know several people who would be like, that's ridiculous. Like, why are we going to do that? Like, I, you know, these, these parents make money. Like these kids are, are wearing brand name clothes. Why should we do that? And then she said that, an example is if you're a single parent household and you make $22,000 a year, you don't qualify for free lunch. Yeah, you qualify reduced. for reduced. And that's when I was like, take, and, take all yeah. my money to feed the children. Like and keep in mind that these kids who, who get free and reduced lunch only get it when school is in session. Yeah. So in summer and spring break and winter break and days off, they don't get to go into school and get their free and reduced lunch. School is closed. Um, so there are these huge gaps to fill in. So if you are a family getting reduced lunch and you go to free lunch, you have to imagine that's going to help a lot on those times when your kid is not in school and doesn't have access to those services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. In a county as rich as this that anybody could complain about. I was like, seriously, get lunch. give me five yeah. kids. I'll pay for them. Yes. Like, just, we'll, well, some of us will split it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's what they need. Kids need to eat. Yep. And I've been told by my life partner that there are studies where if these children are hungry, they have poor performance in school. No, they yeah. don't do as well. So. Feed them and they'll do well in school. Yeah. Like, you, you shouldn't Well, you need, can't pay attention you're hungry. Yeah. yeah. And you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't need someone to give you a reason for why you should feed children. Right. That's a whole other. I but know. if you need a reason. I know. <laughs> let, they will do better in school and they will grow up to do better in life and they will get out of the poverty cycle and all, like all that stuff. It's, it's good stuff. Just feed them. Yeah. I know. And it's not whatever their parents are doing. I think 99.9% of the time their parents are working their asses off yeah. and it's not how you know, ends aren't being met. Nope. But for that tiny little sliver of people who are taking advantage, it's still not the kid's fault. No. <laughs> so no. just True. cough it up. No. <laughs> like, just cough it up. It's not their fault they were born poor. I, or they were I know. Born, like, it's or with, yeah. No. I know. I know it. Um, okay, so let's let's go through these because they were some there were some really interesting ones. The consent one is number the, two. Okay, yeah, so talk about it. So this um, this one, um, it's the title: Education, Family Life, and Human Sexuality Curriculum Consent. Um, legislation would provide that age-appropriate consent instruction be part of the Family Life and Human Sexuality Curriculum in Maryland State Public Schools. Bam! Should be a slam dunk. Teach them about consent. In Montgomery County, I have to say, like, even my kindergartner has gotten the, already this year, has gotten the talk from the counselor, like, the lesson in class mm-hmm. from the counselor about touching, unwanted, about unwanted touching, hmm. about what to do if someone touches you, about what to, about not touching someone else, mm-hmm. even if you think it's a friendly touch, about what to do if an adult touches you in a way you don't want. Um, so Montgomery County is, I, I don't know that they're doing the full thing. Yeah. But they're at least kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. Um, certainly with all the news happening now, this should be yeah. right. easy. Right. Why not help? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but it does, this one I, I liked the way the bill was written just because we were talking about how they were kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, or not the bill, I guess this argument for the bill. Yeah, the proposal, um, That yeah. we got, yeah. Because um, they gave some percentages, right? Um, in 2011, AAUW study found that 58% of girls in 7th to 12th grades are sexually harassed in school. And 13% of girls in 7th to 12th grades are touched in unwelcome sexual ways at school. And I guess that doesn't surprise me having been a girl in 7th to 12th grade, but right. it's still yucky to see the actual numbers in front of yes. me. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's probably higher than 13 Oh, well, this is reported, right? This is right? reported. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be inflated for sure. Yeah, no, it's um, middle school. What I, I didn't actually go to middle. We had K through 8 and mm-hmm. then high school. So when I say middle school, I mean 6, 7, 8. Hands down, worst years of my life. Yeah. Like, hands, oh, like, worst years. Yeah. Um, so there's that one. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. Um, and that's when I think that we would, Montgomery County now would support that, whether it ends up as M, as part of MLA's and it's, package or not. Yeah, yeah, and Ariana Kelly is in MoCo. Bethesda, She's yeah. Bethesda, so. Yeah. Um, and then Repeat Sexual Predator Prevention Act. Oh, this is this, what we were talking about. This was this is interesting. So they explained it in a way that if it's another crime, um, that they can use prior bad acts um, into they can introduce prior bad acts into evidence to go to motive to go to whatever to, to indicate that the person is more likely to to show a predatory yes. history a pattern, like pattern of, pred- and, of predatory behavior and she used a phrase that was very interesting and i don't remember what the phrase was but it was essentially showing they know what they're doing yeah like they can't say whoops i didn't know yeah, yeah. and so this legis- this piece of legislation would that's so right now that's not allowed for sexual assault yeah and that and what this piece of legislation would do is to make it allowable for sexual assault um where they could introduce prior bad acts and they could introduce a pattern to show that no you know she didn't just change her mind after their first date right or whatever bullshit excuse they use um which and there was there was some back and forth on this there were questions um and i guess they were told the legislators were told that um or the sponsor of this bill was told that they needed to go this route to have it done. Yeah. Instead of just establishing a precedent. Yeah. That it had to, the judges told them it had to be this way. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'll be easy too. Yeah. We're being very optimistic here. We are. <laughs> well, they all seemed really common sense. And when someone's explaining them to you, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Um, final permanent protective order. Um, this bill will expand the opportunity for victims of domestic violence to obtain a final permanent protective order by eliminated, eliminating certain onerous restrictions under the current law. Um, so does this just make it easier to get that, that protective order? Yeah, I think that I think that I, if I remember what they were saying, it was what's like, a final permanent? Per, I don't remember what you versus said. a restraining order. Oh, um, and I think what I think what they were saying, and the thing is that like after trauma happens or after you leave a violent situation, you don't 
it's not easy to get it together to like gather the evidence, find a right, lawyer, right, right, do right, all the things, right, all the right. steps you need to take to get a permanent protective order. You so just this left expands, the situation. Yeah. yeah so yeah. this expands the time and the the time allowance and resources and stuff for women That's who right. want to get a um. It it just it, it's just that the law was too too sticky and it was really hard for women to get time expansion and this just kind of clears those it's it's kind of the same law but it clears away the the um the barriers barriers, thank you for women who are trying to to get it done i think it gives them like a year or something like that instead of that's right that's right that's right it was the time she talked about the timing yeah um criminal Criminal violation of conditions release. So this bill will create a new misdemeanor, which upon conviction may subject the offender to a maximum imprisonment of 90 days. The purpose of this bill is to prevent criminal defendants who have been charged either with a crime of violence under some law section of the public safety article or a crime against a victim who is a person eligible for relief. Uh, <laughs> it's basically to separate the, um, this one was to separate the victim from her abuser. Yes. So that you didn't have to like go into court and see him or that if you had children together that you didn't have to. And they, they cited, um, court watch who we just, um, now Montgomery County now went and watched the just like as spectators watched the final um hearing from the council from um or that the Montgomery County Council heard court watch at they're they're building a center for child exchange like if the child is still in joint custody um because women were being hurt children were being hurt um during the custody exchange so that like they they cited that as one of the times that a woman might see her abuser yeah. would be yeah. if they had the, children, but this was like just yeah. This says that before someone would be uh, charged with a crime if they violated um, the no contact order if the victim was a child or a minor, but if the victim was an adult, it wasn't a crime to violate that. Yeah. So now it will be. I should have this wrote why is this the thing on top of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they did, they did kind of say that some of these are like, yeah, like common sense things that are like adjustments to old legislation. I felt like that yeah. they kind of were pretty confident we're going to go through. Um, and that might have been one of them. I can't remember if that was one of them that they thought was going to be easy. We talked about the definition yep. of abuse. Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? Um, hate crimes. Ooh, this one was interesting. Mm-hmm, it so, was. So, in the state of Maryland, if if someone is someone can um, commits a hate crime against you, you cannot sue them. So, this is a bill to allow the victims of hate crimes to file civil suits seeking monetary damages. Yeah, you can't, like, right, there's no, like, if you, if someone beats the shit out of you for being gay or mm-hmm. Jewish or black mm-hmm. or a woman, and they it's called a hate crime, and so you miss work while you're recovering, or they destroy your property, or any of those things, like, up until now, like, you can't sue those people for 
the time lost at work or the property that, that they've damaged and things like that. So, yeah, the civil, I mean, <laughs> another one. I know. Why wouldn't you be able to take somebody to civil court? It's crazy. This one breaks my heart. But um, this is expand Maryland's vacating convictions law to explicitly include survivors of labor trafficking as well as increases the number of convictions eligible for vacatur. So, okay, and then the description, how it relates to women. So, victims of human trafficking, many of or significant portion who are female identifying, are commonly forced to engage in criminal acts by their traffickers. So, I guess in other ways they can vacate those convictions. Yeah, so women are forced to prostitute, do all these things, and they, (laughs) they can be forced under threat of violence or death and still be prosecuted for the crime that they were forced to commit. So the next one is um, healthcare services for pregnant inmates require all state, local, and private detention and correction facilities to have written policies regarding healthcare services for adult and juvenile pregnant inmates and detainees and require all state, local, and private detention and corrections facilities to provide these written policies to all adult and juvenile inmates and detainees with positive pregnancy tests. Sorry about the cat. Um, so this one is um, Kathleen Dumay and uh, NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland is working on this. And NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland, um, just a little plug here, we're having our reproductive justice, um, reproductive rights panel on December 3rd. Um, and Chelsea Yarbrough will be there um, speaking on the panel. She's from NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland, and uh, they've been working on a, a broader project involving women in prison in the state of Maryland, um, not just around um, reproductive justice and abortion care and, and, um, and um, birth control, but also uh, getting them pads yeah menstrual products. They have their periods mm-hmm. <laughs> um so they, I, they have a whole task force or like commission at NARAL Maryland that's gonna um that's gonna work on um women who are incarcerated so this is a piece of that yeah and then just so we're all clear just because a woman has been incarcerated or detained does not remove her human rights from her Right, that's, that's true. right. <laughs> just, or, and, or, or anybody's yeah. like I, I'm like I have a problem with mass incarceration anyway. So like right. it's hard to talk about, and I know you guys do too. It's hard to talk about it in like as if it's a logical thing, right? That all these right. people are locked up, but but it, let's in this world where all these people are locked up, and that's the way it is. They're humans. That's that's their punishment. Their punishment is being locked up. Yeah, they don't get yeah. extra punishment on top of that. They shouldn't called you can't have pads or birth control or an abortion or or health care ob care or gyno care while you're in i mean it's crazy and and it's (laughs) yeah it's funny because my years in catholic school we did have a section on i think it was called christian life and it was like every all the things you're supposed to know but there was a big chunk on um it was a mass incarceration but but the Catholic Church's stance on prisoners. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we were very, I think it was leading to the death penalty. Like, we don't believe in the death penalty. But was talking about how the goal of 
these people being in prison should be rehabilitation. Yeah. It shouldn't be punishment. Yeah. It should be rehabilitation. And we could have a whole yeah. discussion and on and, and, that. And, like, <laughs> women who are breadwinners in their families, mm-hmm. they end up incarcerated. Um, if they're women of color or women living in poverty... Um, they end up there for a very long time, sometimes like for no Ridiculous. nationally for Ridiculous. no real reason other than like they can't pay their bond, and so yeah. they end up staying. Um, and Didn't that just happen to someone? It happens all the time. No, but it, there was just a recent news story where some woman was stayed in jail for something because she couldn't pay. She was like fifty dollars short on her yeah, bill. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. Yeah, I mean it's disgusting. Obama had Eric, or I don't, Eric Holder had, I guess, instructed the Department of Justice not to enforce mandatory minimums for certain crimes for a while. And then Jeff Sessions, that was like one of the first things he did. Yeah. Like, nope, go back to, you get arrested for this, you're in prison for five years. I mean, Jeff Sessions is a shit show. Yeah, he belongs in prison himself. Although I shouldn't wish him in prison either. I don't want anybody in prison. Um, So... Uh, this basically just says that there, like, y- there have to be written policies. Yes, they have to have a plan. Doesn't tell them what the plan is. Just says you have to have a. You, you have, have to have a written policy on health care for your inmates. You have to have thought about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thought about it enough to have someone write it down. Yeah, rights and responsibilities. Like I get them in high school. When I get to, hi- I don't know, like Montgomery County, get to high school, get a packet called rights and responsibilities. Like that's all they're really asking for is that. Those things be written down so that women can know what their rights are, mm-hmm. demand their rights, and, and you know, get the services that they need. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's crazy. A pregnant woman in prison has to worry about whether she's getting all the information. It's like, what are we even doing? All right. Discrimination. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why are we here? What is going on? <laughs> Discrimination in employment conditions related to pregnancy or childbirth. Mm. Um, so makes clarifications to Maryland's pregnancy accommodation law to ensure that pregnant and new mothers with a medical need for workplace accommodations due to a normal pregnancy are in fact provided reasonable accommodations and prohibit employers from forcing them out on leave when they can be reasonably accommodated. Um, breastfeeding, right? Yep. Yeah, breastfeeding. Like, and it's not just, in the bathroom. This is like a basic to me, like just a corporate fail, not just to women, but like across the board when you can't do little things that improve morale at your company. Yeah. Get out of the business world. Yeah. Like, how I know women on both sides of the spectrum or mm-hmm. on like who have been in a workplace where it's impossible to nurse, mm-hmm. where they've had to demand. A shade for their window of their office. Yeah. Like, so that they could pump in their office with the door locked. Or, like, I know women in the military who had to, like, argue. Like, they have to come right back to work and, like, argue about a separate, like, in buildings that are huge and full of empty rooms, full of nothing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. argue to have one of those rooms cleared out with nothing but chairs and just, like, be allowed to sit in that room with only women and, and pump. Yeah. Um... And then I've had, I know women who've worked at really nice companies or really nice law firms, places like that where they have a nursing room and they have a yeah. refrigerator and they have extra bags in case you need it. And they have 
pumps that you can rent. You just have to bring the tubing and, you know, like the yeah. sanit, like the hygiene yeah. stuff, but like the, and like those women are much happier, <laughs> are much happier at work and with their company. And overall, yeah. like, even if you can't do it to be a decent fucking human being. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want the morale in your office to be high and want productivity to be up? Yeah, I mean, my... I mean, that's just a general question for It is a general <laughs> question. I agree, totally. Yep. I don't, yeah. And, the, and this does cite, um, in families with children, 41% of mothers are the primary breadwinner. Uh, and women in low-wage jobs are particularly likely to seek and be denied pregnancy accommodations. Um, given the physically demanding nature of many low-wage jobs and the cultural and the culture of inflexibility in many low-wage workplaces. And yeah, and Diana had said, Diana Phillip um, from NARAL also spoke on this bill. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, like, pregnant woman, like, let her have a stool. Yeah. Like, let a pregnant woman sit down. Yeah. Like. It's not hard. No. Just, does it really. My years of working at a mall kiosk are coming back to me when, like, the worst thing we could do was sit down. You oh, yeah. at a mall kiosk? Yeah. I did worked at a I worked at a bookstore and the bookstore had a calendar kiosk for oh, a few oh, months out of the okay. year. So That's not bad. You know, we weren't like going around like massaging people's scalps. No, 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 no. I was selling calendars <laughs> and it was off and I was walking around the kiosk a lot. Yeah. But the worst thing we could have yep. done was sit down. Wow. And mm-hmm. like Did you work at a kiosk too? No, I didn't, but I worked in a restaurant and in a retail store and you Yeah, I worked retail and you couldn't sit down. down. Could not sit down. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't really understand. I don't know. I mean, this is this is caring for who we should care for, marginalized people who are working in small jobs, who are doing, um, not small jobs, uh, low-wage jobs, and who um, don't have flexibility. But you also, like, if you have a woman who's maybe not the breadwinner in her family, who's at a job that is making it impossible for her to be a pregnant woman at or be a mother at, how long is she staying at that job? Yeah. Like, you know, you're, I don't know. I just think it's, it's also in a way it's forcing women out and then saying, what, what could, like it, when you don't have the law in place, you're like, what, what well, could, you're choosing you, to leave. You ladies, you just couldn't yeah, cut it. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um. So this, this prevents that. From happening, I think, or hopefully would prevent that from happening. And this is Marse Morales. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another one with Marse as well. Yeah. Okay. The uh, so the title: Family Law, Same Sex Couples, Marital Presumption, and Expedited Second Parent Adoption. Uh, clarifies the application of a marital presumption to same sex couples where a woman conceives through artificial insemination establishes an expedited procedure for the adoption of a child by the spouse of the child's biological parent and requires both women's names to be included on the birth certificate of a child born to one of the women during the marriage. So basically it's giving same-sex couples the same rights as as uh, heterosexual couples have yeah. now. It's protecting, it's protecting parents who are, um, yeah, who are together during, right, more than one way to conceive a family. Yeah. Who conceive a family together, who um, go through the pregnancy together. Yeah. And who plan to raise the child together. Um, 
it's making sure that that parental rights exist for for both of them. And Fran gave some of the numbers, and I didn't didn't write them down, but she talked. Fran's about... the president of the Women's Democratic Club in Montgomery County. Yes, yes Fran. And she, Ross, and she yeah. had a personal um, connection to this, and she told a personal story mm-hmm. that. It's not that I don't want to tell it here, but I'll tell it wrong, so I don't want to yeah. mess it up. But yeah. it was a great story about her daughter mm-hmm. and her partner and their family. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, about what what they had to do when when panic ensued, when Trump took over, and how they had how their lawyer called them, and they had to go back and yep. double back and make sure everything was all the way up to date. The names were together. The adoption was so that nobody could take away parental rights from the partner who hadn't been pregnant with the right. child. Um, and she said, you know, there is something I can do. I can make sure that in Maryland, this is safe, this is protected, and this doesn't happen to anybody else. Yep. Um, and I don't know, it was a really compelling, I thought hers was, I, they were all great presentations, but the I personal story. She is, yeah. and that story yeah. was just like, she was like, this happened to my family. Like, this is right. this is shit that happened to yeah, my she's family. she's the only one that told a personal story. Yeah. yeah. It made a difference. And, right. And it's something I check my privilege I would never think of. Right. I would never think that that was an issue that I, I would just think you would put both the names on the birth certificate and it wouldn't be an issue because same-sex marriage is now legal in this country. But. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so the one that I was supposed to say next that I didn't because I don't know how to turn pages is family law age of majority jurisdiction of court. The bill would allow the court to retain jurisdiction for child support until age 23 for those enrolled in a post-secondary college education or vocational training plan. Um, So before we talk about the bill and why you think it's interesting, can I just say something that was really cool about this? Sure. Terry Hill, who's the delegate, um, who's the lead sponsor on this bill, didn't. It, it didn't come from her office. That the the idea for the bill didn't come from her office. It came from um, the Association of, like, what was it? The University of Ameri- Women Association of uh, American Association of University Women. Okay, of Howard County, of Howard County, who came to her, and said. Hey, this is a problem. And I just thought it was like such a cool indication like, of how you can make a difference. Yeah. Like when you see a problem and you go to a delegate or you go to a, a state senator or whatever and you say like, hey, you're my state senator, you're my delegate. Here's here's a problem I see. Yeah. And I feel like, is like, can you help me? Is there legislation? And what she said, she fully gave them credit. She was like, and I said, you know what? This sounds great. You guys go do the research. Mm-hmm. Come back. We'll meet up again. They did. And she wrote a bill. And now it's up. So sorry. I just wanted to say that. Because oh, I think no, we have okay. more power than we think we have. Yeah. Anyway, I like this one. Because I think it's an example of how not having equal pay hurts women in more ways than they their paychecks are just lower. Um, like this one is specifically, it mentions how women face more of a burden of student loans because they don't have the money. They don't earn the same amount to be able to pay them back as quickly. Um, and this is for mothers of kids in, in starting college, basically. Um, they lo- If they're divorced, they lose their child support um, right when they have to front a heavy bill if they're helping their kid pay for school. And, 
you know, maybe that woman uh, worked part-time or didn't work for some time when their child was growing up. Um, and so they have less money saved. They earn less, so they have less of ability to help their child go to school. Um, and a lot of times they get less in the divorce settlement. Yeah. Like their own chunk of it. Yeah. Not the child's court um, case, but their own. So... And they talked about how even down the line, because women are taking money out of their retirement. Yeah, and, and, and refinancing their yeah. mortgage or whatever. Yeah. So it hits hits women in many different... And actually yeah. that woman, that was another personal story. It wasn't from the legislator yeah. or the person speaking, but someone raised her hand. During the question yeah. period. Yeah. There's a lot of people who had supportive comments of this one. Yeah, and they had yeah. personal stories that were really compelling. Yeah. And like, it's true, she said, her ex-husband said to her... I'm not giving another dime, mm-hmm. but I know you'll find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. That motherfucker. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because just, that's, of course it's going to happen. Of course she's going to find yeah, a way to course. make it work. Yeah. Well, without getting into too much detail, my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in college, and my brother was a sophomore in high school. And my mom, my both my parents helped pay for some of our college. And my dad is no longer paying any student loans. I don't even know if he had any for us, but my mom is, and we've both been out of college for years. So, just gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah, women get, yeah. This is really important. And this is one too, where like I was saying before, where if I just saw it, I don't know, maybe now I would, but like if I was just a voter like looking at it, I might not think of it as a women's, yeah. Bill. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I might think of it as good or I might agree with it, but I might not think of it, I might not think of all the ways you guys just cited. Yeah. As, like, reasons why it's a woman's bill, not just the student, but her mother and her mother in retirement and all these different levels. It's of, it's, a, um, it's a domino effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. lots of women who are dealing with this can't even retire. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, especially in Montgomery County where it costs a lot of money to live mm-hmm. and retire. Um, yeah. So we'll follow that one. Next one is the salary history information disclosure. So prevents employees from requiring past salary information as a condition for employment. And basically, and this was also Susan Lee, Mm -hmm. um, and, um, Karen Lewis Young, basically, you know, that's not the entire issue with the wage gap, but part of the issue with the wage gap is we're required to give a salary history. So they can see, okay, you were paid this much, so I'm going to bump you X percent when they would bump a man X percent and it would just go up and up and up. So this is a little bit more a way to level the playing field in some respects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they said, like, you could you could give your salary history if you want, but this would mean employers cannot require it. Yeah. Um, I think something like this just within the last few years passed in New York. I think, I think within like the last year. Yeah. Two, yeah. Because um, I know I've, I've applied for jobs in New York and I used to have to give my salary history and then I no longer do. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes sense because, in a, it, you know, when you're applying for a job, oftentimes you have, you have to justify what you're asking for based on what you make. Yeah. Um, or justify an increase based on what you've done before, and this would make it a little bit easier to not have yeah. to do that. Yeah. 
Um, job protected leave. This legislation expands Maryland's job protective parental leave law to include up to six weeks of job protected unpaid leave for uh, for a health condition or for caregiving for a family member with a health condition. It's FMLA. It's just it's just expanding FMLA, right? I think yes, yeah. that's what it says. Yeah. yeah. I don't like this one, but this is just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like the I fact know. that six weeks? Yeah. I know. Like are you kidding? Just hold your job for six weeks, yeah. Just Unpaid. Like, yeah. Like what country do we freaking live in? Yep. I know. When something happens that's <laughs> yeah. Catastrophic and out of your control. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, right. yeah. Like, six weeks to have a freaking baby? Yeah, I know. Unpaid? Yeah. That's or if, ridiculous. Or if, God, I hate saying, even saying this out loud because I know jinxing is not a thing. Jinxing is not a thing. Or if your child gets cancer. Yeah. And you need your job and your benefits. Yep. Your child gets cancer. I mean, your, your parent gets sick. You're, I yeah. mean, like, I, I don't know. Your life is already turned upside down and terrible, and then on top of that, you have to worry about losing your job and your benefits. Well, what it says here, family caregivers can face long-term economic consequences. Working women who are also caregivers are 2.5 times more likely to live out their final years in poverty. Yeah. Additionally, the majority of caregivers are women. Like, I'll tell a personal story. The past, the reason that I've been calling in for the past few months is my father was ill, and he need, you know, he was going through treatment to get better, but he needed someone to be in the house with him. So fortunately, my job gives me the flexibility where I can work remotely. I can do 99.9% of my job remotely. So I was living in a different state, helping him and working at ridiculous hours because I can do that. Yeah. And But in Matt, like you were under so much stress. Even though right. you like, adore your dad and you were there to take care of him. Yes, not complaining um, at all. Right. But it was still hard. It's, it's hard. hard. Yeah, it's and hard. And if you had to worry on top of that about losing your job. Right. I mean, I came back, like when I came back to, to Maryland, like for, you know, not good, but just came back and like, okay, I don't have to go back up there. I slept for like 12 hours yeah, straight. Yeah. Like, it's hard. And you're right to think about like, I... I have to take care of this person, which should be your main priority, and then worry about losing your job. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. again, we're all humans. Also, like, your dad is humans. better. Yay! He is. <laughs> he is. But I'm going back to New Jersey tomorrow, so yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay. We talked about this one. Yep, we did. We talked about this one. Um, okay, women on corporate boards. I have some feelings about this one. Um, and there's... This is the only guy that spoke. Right, but there's yeah. two of them. There's two that kind of go together. Um, because what is one in the Senate and one in the House? So this is, this is a Senate joint resolution. The Maryland General Assembly acknowledges the bulk of evidence proves that companies perform better when women help... When women hold positions on the board of directors and in management and thus encourage Maryland companies over the next three years to meet a minimum goal of women on their board of directors... And then the next one is a, it just says joint resolution. We are urging the Maryland General Assembly to set 
as an aspirational goal and not a mandate that women hold 30% of the board of director seats in Maryland by 2020. And this was the one that had the statistics about Maryland kind of lagging behind. We're 14% yeah. now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're 14% now, which... Um, yeah, so recent data show that 30% of Maryland companies have no women directors, which is much higher than the national average of 5%. Women hold only 14.4% of the board seats in the state. Um, which, yeah, I mean, the, the, um... Patricia Lambert, she was on the panel discussion. She was awesome. Yeah, she was really good. Um, <laughs> she was in the panel discussion before, and then this was, well, one of these was her bill. The other one was Senator Young, um, the only man who presented a bill there. But And also, even though this is not his fault because he was just standing there, he had nothing to do with it, the only person who got apologized to for having to wait in line to yeah. talk about his bill. Yeah. There's a line of women up against the wall. Including state senators, including lawyers, including yeah. state, like, all these people. State reps. Powerful yeah. women. And when he gets up, they're like, we're so sorry you had to wait. Thank you for your patience. He was the only one who got... Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that was my angry fists on the microphone. Um. So, yeah. I mean, this is... I... the So, Patricia Lambert, she said it over and over again. That we need to... Think of this as an economic issue. Mm-hmm. When women are on boards, the companies do better. And this, there's, like, evidence, lots mm-hmm. and lots of evidence for this. Um, and I just – I sent you ladies a story today. Yeah. Um, where – so I guess the Weinstein Company is up for – they're selling it or they're bidding on it. And there's an anonymous bidder who is like, I will buy this, except it has to be run by women. Yeah. Because I think they need that right now. Yeah. But – I think life needs that. Right <laughs> like you, you all have it's, had your shot. It's actually like it's it works really. There's a there's um the Raven Group downtown that does consulting. They purposefully have a certain number of women on, oh, yeah. at the company on the executive board, a certain number of minorities, um, and they make sure those are the people who are elevated to power within the group, and it changes the dynamic. Yep, and it's not. Uh, uh, Aside, men are trash, fuck all men aside. <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying this is a man-hating thing. No. It's a different perspective. It's, a, um, this, somebody said, um, it, it might have been Patricia Lambert, who was talking about the man, she was saying that the man was like, I want women on my boards and, and all this. And he was talking about how he was teaching his son to drive. And he was telling his son yes. to check his blind spot. And when she asked him, like, why do you want women? He's like, because... Oh, no, that was the that delegate. That was Sarbanes. Oh, it was, a, it, was, it, was yeah. it was Terry Hill quoting Paul yeah, Sarbanes. Okay. Yeah. That's Sorry. right. It was Terry Hill. But she... But he... The story was, he's teaching his son to drive, and he's telling him, check his blind spot, you know, yep. to move into another lane. And he's like, if I have women on my team... I have my blind spot covered. Yeah. Or something that is along, my blind spot. Yeah, I don't need to check spot. my blind spot. So yeah. it was a very... No, it was that women don't have to check their blind spot because they're always in that lane. Right, right. Oh, they right. are women. Yeah. yeah. Like his blind... Yeah. yeah, yeah. The spot yeah. he wouldn't have seen, they see all the time. Yeah. yeah. So it was a nice summary from a man yeah. that a way other men will understand yeah. as to why women are important to have around. Not just because we're harpies with opinions. But also because we are brilliant people with <laughs> yes. opinions. The, I will, I said earlier that 
uh, Senator Young was the only man there, or man to put something forward, but Senator Rich Metalino is the one who put the Maryland Cares for Kids Act. Oh, he, he just was, wasn't there. He in just person. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. His um, his chief of staff was there. Right. Which is why I was like, that's why I know that girl. Yeah. Woman, excuse me. <sighs> okay, and then the last one, gender equality. Gender equity. Gender equity in auto insurance, a working title. (laughs) (laughs) A working title picture. Um, This bill removes gender discrimination in auto insurance rates by prohibiting the use of sex and marital status as factors that companies can use to set rates. So your rate can't be higher because you're a woman. Your rate can't be higher because you're a single woman or a divorced woman. Um, Or a widowed woman. Or a widowed yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was a thing. Awesome. <laughs> Why wouldn't you charge women more for insurance just because you fucking can? <laughs> Great job. Holy crutter. I mean, that's what they used to do with health insurance. I know. Yeah. I know. And tampons. And razors. God. And dry cleaning. No, oh, yeah, that really pisses me off. Dry cleaning, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A women's button-down shirt dry cleaner. from J. Crew and a men's button-down shirt from J. Crew would cost two different prices of the dry cleaner. That's some bullshit right Yeah, there. it's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it was really interesting. Yeah. I'm glad we went through those because yeah. I, I do think it's interesting and I think it's important to know. And um, we'll keep talking about these and we'll let you know what MLA votes on and we'll let you know what we kind of adopt. And there were some that, like... Uh, that even if the Marin level seems tricky, we can probably affect some change of the county. Level. Yeah, and that's and Montgomery County has done that before. So when I was in grad school, we had to pick a bill to follow mm-hmm. um, to have us learn about the legislative process because it was a um, it was a healthcare legislation class. Mm-hmm. So so that actually happened. So we all had to pick a bill. Mm-hmm. Would you call it a legislative one hundred and one? Oh, no, it wasn't that. No, it was... Advocacy 101. No, it wasn't, no. Um, (laughs) No. It was my healthcare law class. Yeah, that's cool that they did that. Yeah, it was my healthcare law class in grad school. So, so you picked a bill, you followed it, you learned how to use the website, and it's a 90-day session, and it's rough, right? A 90-day session's rough. But there were a few bills that actually didn't make it through the state level, but Montgomery County... They made it through Montgomery County. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the county does that. Like, oh, this isn't going to make it. We're just going to do it. But so, yeah. So the the one that springs to mind is the calorie counts. Where in the state of Maryland, they were trying to have calorie counts for chain stores um, before the Affordable Care Act mandated it. Yeah. And it didn't pass the Maryland um, legislature. But... Montgomery County had it before. I think it was like New York City had it, and then Montgomery yeah. County, County had it, and then. Well, a lot of the people on these bills, state delegates and state senators, they are from Montgomery County. Yeah. So I'm sure if it's important to them, and they can, um, yeah. So hopefully that's yeah, that's and good to know. This is going to be an ignorant question. I'm always good for those, but does Montgomery County have a legislative session, or is it just all the time? The council. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think they recess, but I don't think they ever are off. I think there's too much happening because they control Board of Ed yeah. and, like, everything. So I, I thought it was an ignorant question. Yeah. No, I don't think it's <laughs> ignorant. I mean, I think it's a good point, but I don't I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, don't I think, think... – didn't we ask somebody 
one time a county council member if it was their full-time job. I or... asked Danielle if it was, if she would be, oh, right. if it, um, uh. At the WDC thing. Yes, I asked one of the candidates for uh, oh, county, county council, council at, at large, large if yeah. it was a, <laughs> and I prefaced it with this is a, an ignorant question, if it's a full-time job or if she would keep her so-called mm-hmm. DA job, and she said no. It's she's, a full-time. It's a full-time job, yeah. especially at large. Yeah. She said she had so many constituents and the county was this big, and yeah. so yeah, that makes sense. I thought it'd be nice to say some things we're thankful for because... Everything sucks most of the time. <laughs> um, men are trash. Men are trash, like men. Um, maybe not in our like maybe not in our personal lives, but in in the world. So I wanted to say that I am thankful for birth control. I am thankful for sex education. Um, I'd be more thankful if it was more comprehensive, but I am thankful for it nonetheless. <laughs> And I'm thankful for investigative journalism, which is really doing its thing right now to protect us. All right. So what I am thankful for is the First Amendment. Uh, yay, Freedom yay, of the Press. Yay, First Amendment. Um, which is my second favorite amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, first being, you know, that one that gives me the right to actually vote. Um, but I think this year it's really... Um, been very clear to me how it's so important or why it's so important. Like Alyssa said, investigative journalism, freedom of the press. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions can't lock some woman up for laughing at him. Yeah. And, you know, our ability to do this, to, yeah. to just say what we want to say and openly be against the president. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do have an up-to-date passport now, though. Ditto. Yeah. Ditto, yes. Um, you know, but I'm just, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I'm thankful for all the brave women who are sharing their stories of sexual harassment, sexual assaults, because we know that's not an easy thing to do, and yeah. uh, they're uh, letting others out there know that they are not alone, so. Yeah. And, and on top of that, the three of us, all when we were pre-rehearsing we weren't rehearsing we were sharing what we were going to share so we all didn't share the same thing when we were texting obsessively all day like we always do (laughs) just say it (laughs) we were all saying that we are grateful for each other which is true which is true and believe it or not we um we have known each other less than a year since february yeah yeah less than a year which well i've known each of you since february i don't know when you two met that's true. I met you much later. I met you at my house. At uh, Handmaid's Tale. April. Mm-hmm. What a fun bonding experience. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite first meeting memory of you is the scene when, um, when the woman was giving pregnant upstairs and the wives were giving pregnant were like giving pretending birth. to giving be birth pregnant upstairs. <laughs> I'm giving pregnant. No, the the yeah what, the birth scene. The birth scene. Um, where the, where the wives were like acting out the birth scene and you were like, all these people would be dead. <laughs> it's just all these people. Oh, that was a fun day. And there's that little old lady who didn't know any of us and she was like, got up in the middle and she's like, this she's is two weird girls. I've got to go. Yeah, she never <laughs> And you didn't get up to the point of the ceremony in the oh, book yeah. and you were like, what is this? 
Yeah, no, that was quite disturbing. Oh, that's true. That is the first time I met you. And the first time I met Alyssa was at a bar at a now thing. And I sat up next to her. I was like, what's your name? And she's like, Alyssa. And Alyssa, for anybody who doesn't know her in real life because of the pod she talks all the time, is like <laughs> not as loud as I am. <laughs> Putting it mildly. No, I was like two inches from her face. Like, my name is Alyssa too. How do you spell it? Yeah. I was really excited. I went to the other bar meetup in February. Yes, yes, yeah. To the other one. You missed my revelation that there was another Alyssa spelled with an E. It was really exciting. It was exciting. Where my husband was like, am I going to be the only guy there? No. <laughs> yes, you were, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Brian's very supportive. He is. Um, and we're also thankful that people are listening to the pod. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we're good. Chatting. Thank you for throwing that in. <laughs> I would have totally forgotten. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, what, so what are we, what are, what are our upcoming events? What are we doing? December 3rd. December 3rd, Reproductive Justice. <laughs> yep. And then in January, we'll get at you with a bunch of stuff. Because we're going to spend some time planning and we'll have some stuff uh, coming up for the new year. Hopefully more around the legislative agenda. Yeah. So be exciting. There will be spreadsheets. There will be spreadsheets. <laughs> and I will not have a panic attack about them. No. It's my New Year's resolution. Those spreadsheets really freak me out, dude. <laughs> Come sit by me. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. My husband hasn't told you the story about when we got engaged. I opened, well, you should see our Disney spreadsheet that Molly and Christina made. Oh, I've heard about it. You can these. leave this in. I opened it. I looked at it for maybe 15 seconds. I started to twitch in my eyebrows and my eyeballs, and I closed it. And it was really helpful. Disney was lovely. Everything was planned for me. I just followed fucking everybody around. It was awesome. I just couldn't look at the spreadsheet. Um, we got engaged on a Friday by... Sunday or by Monday he says by Monday we had a spreadsheet we had a spreadsheet Saturday he just saw it on Monday <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I mean yeah I know people have Pinterest boards who aren't even like dating anyone seriously <laughs> for their wedding and they'll just randomly be like I stayed up all night last night after we got engaged and made this Pinterest board <laughs> that has stuff on it from three years ago <laughs> I knew you were coming <laughs> So, who is our woman of the week? Okay, so, since it's Thanksgiving week, we're going to do a Native American woman for this week's woman of the week. Uh, Sacagawea, who was instrumental in Lewis and Clark's expedition. Sacagawea was born in Idaho in approximately 1788. She was the daughter of a Shoshone chief. When she was 12, or about 12... She was captured and kidnapped by an enemy tribe. The enemy tribe sold her to a French-Canadian who claimed her as one of his multiple wives, if you want to call it that, because she was essentially his property, uh, so barf. Um, but anyway, when Thomas Jefferson, another stand-up person claiming people for his lovers, um, completed the Louisiana Purchase, he sent Lewis and Clark on an expedition in search of the Northwest Passage so the U.S. could trade via the Pacific Ocean. Lewis and Clark brought on Sacagawea's husband as part of their expedition. He knew French and one Native American language. She knew the same Native American language plus her Shoshone language 
So she was also brought on board as a translator in 1805. She joined them in the Great Plains and traveled with them through the Rocky Mountains and out to the Pacific. They reached the Pacific in November 1805, um, and I believe the point where they reached the ocean was somewhere in present-day Oregon. Uh, she was pregnant at the time she was brought on board and had a newborn with her throughout their expedition. She traveled with him strapped to her back. She proved to be an integral part of the expedition team as she was able to provide translation, acquire and trade horses, and determine which plants were edible for them to eat. She, along with her newborn, also helped the expedition seem less threatening than a group of all men um, to people they, they talked to and, and um, people they had to bargain with. Uh, at one point during the expedition, her boat overturned in harsh waters. She was able to save maps and other important documents in addition to keeping her and her son safe. After they reached the Pacific, Sacagawea, her husband, and son traveled back east with the expedition for some of the trip. Uh, of course, she was the only member of the expedition team to not receive any financial compensation for her efforts. Uh, all the men involved were paid. She was not. William Clark kept a journal of the expedition and spoke of her as one of the bravest members of the group. After leaving the group, she had a daughter. Uh, she possibly died around 1812 when she was only about 24 years old. Although it's not 100% confirmed that it was her that died that year, it could have also been one of her husband's other wives. Um, but after her death, whenever that was, uh, Clark took custody of her children um, because he apparently grew fond of her son on the expedition. Uh, according to the History Channel, she is one of, if not the most memorialized women in American history in terms of the number of statues and monuments dedicated oh. to her, which we've talked about that on the podcast before, um, about the lack of women's statue and memorial, the lack of women's statue and memorial representation um, in and around this country, and the U.S. meant featured her on a dollar coin released in 2000. The gold one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she she brought them where they needed to go and translated for them all while having a newborn. Yeah. Yeah. After her back. We can't do anything, though. We're not as good as men. God's... We don't even deserve to get paid. She's the only person that didn't get paid. Yeah. She did it out of the goodness of her heart. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. I didn't know she died so young. That's what I think. Yeah. There's like another theory that she lived for a long time after that. Um. But who really knows? Hmm. At least that story that I was told as a child is apparently not a lie. <laughs> yeah. Had many, many things disrupted this week. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, that was cool. Yeah. Are we done? Yeah. Oh, no. We're not done. Tell like us about our social media, yes. Alyssa. Yes. <laughs> if you would like to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at MCMDNow. That's MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, Now for National Organization for Women. 
Our website is mcmdnow.org. Uh, you can join our chapter, mcmdnow.org slash join. So if you would like to uh, sign someone up for the holidays, get them a membership Ooh. to our chapter, you can go on there, put their name and their info in, and put your credit card information in, and we'll get them signed up. Um, yeah. Tickets to our Reproductive Justice panel. Uh, you can uh, get those straight through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mcmdnow. You can also find them somehow on, on Eventbrite. I don't know. Um, search for Reproductive Rights Now or something like that. December 3rd. Yeah, go to our website. It's on there, too. Um, we have Tony Van Pelt, the president of the National Organization for Women. Uh, Sarah Love, um, who's an expert in reproductive rights and freedom. And Chelsea Yarbrough, as uh, Alyssa mentioned, from NARAL Pro-Choice, Pro Maryland. They're all going to be on the panel. Um, so come out and, and join us. There's going to be Q&A section afterwards. So if you have any questions or want to know anything about reproductive freedom, um, now's your time to ask. So now's your chance to ask. And remember what we said when we were going through the legislation. Like, maybe you'll have a question and we'll be like, hey. Is this something we can turn into a law? Yeah. I don't know. So. All right, cool. Well, hopefully we'll see many of you there. Um, I'll be there. As will, <laughs> as will my lovely supportive husband, I think. And I get to live tweet. Yes. This time we should give you the <laughs> password. The password. To the, <laughs> yeah. To the chapter account. Yeah. <laughs> Details. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it will be a good time. We hope you all have, well, I guess by the time you listen to this, um, it'll be had, but... Retrospectively. Had, yes. Had <laughs> slash have. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, and we'll be back next, next week. week. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye.